Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome indeed to The Inner Life today. Hi, I'm Josh Raymond. So glad to have you back here with us today on our program about spiritual direction. And I hope your Monday is off to a good start. Now, when you open a box that needs to be assembled, it has something in there. Maybe it's a piece of furniture that was shipped to your home. Maybe it's some small appliance, something where it has the different parts and the different pieces but you're going to have to put everything together yourself. Now, are you the kind of person that reads those directions that are included in there and you follow them exactly as they're written? Or do you find yourself tossing aside the directions and you try and work your way through that assembly by intuition, kind of put the puzzle together on your own? And if you do try and do that, if you try and do it without the directions, do you find yourself having to go back and look at them at some point? When you get to that point where maybe you don't know what to do next, or maybe you did get everything assembled, but there are some leftover pieces, and you didn't see exactly where they fit into everything for that finished product. I myself, I usually do follow the instructions. I've tried it both ways, depending on you know what I'm putting together, but usually the reason that I follow the directions, in the end, it will save me time and it will save me frustration because I've had that other experience. If I'm putting together, you know, as an example, maybe some bunk beds for my kids, and I don't want some leftover pieces, I mean, that's really important, right? You don't want anything left out. You want everything to be put together properly. All the joints are all snug and tight. Uh, I, I, I don't want to be woke up in the middle of the night by a bed crashing. And of course, I don't want my kids to be hurt, you know, by something like that, too. So you want to avoid those kinds of consequences. But it really does save time, too, because if I don't read through those directions, if I try and just go at it without looking at what they've set forth as here's step A, here's step B, here's step C, I almost always come to a point where I've used the wrong screw or the wrong washer or the wrong bolt or, you know, something in the wrong place or I've attached a piece that it looked like it went there, and maybe it did, but I turned it around. I have it the wrong way or upside down, or something's not quite right. And so then I have to go back and undo all of my work for the past few steps, and I start reading the directions to find out, well, where did I go wrong? Why isn't this fitting together as it should? And then at that point, it's not uncommon for me to actually see that in reading those instructions— I've missed one or two other crucial steps along the way in that assembly. So for me, this is just life experience. It's always better to start off by following the directions as they're laid out. Now, do you remember that song in The Sound of Music, Doe, a deer, a female deer, Ray, a drop of golden sun? That's the one that Julie Andrews sings there to the kids. But that's not the actual beginning of the song. Do you recall the very first lyrics of that song? Let's start at the very beginning A very 
good place to start when you read you And so that right there let's start at the very beginning a very good place to start That's good advice for almost anything in life right whether you are trying to build a set of bunk beds or whether you're doing something else And since this program here deals with taking steps forward in our understanding and our growth in our faith as Catholics today we want to look at how we can pray better And how do we start at the very beginning, like Julie Andrews sings to us? Well, Jesus has taught us how to pray. We pray those words he taught us every time we go to Mass. If you pray the Rosary, if you pray the Chaplet of Divine Mercy, or so many other prayer devotions, you pray the Our Father in the context of those prayer devotions. And most of us know that prayer from learning it as a child. Right now, you could probably say it off the top of your head, right with me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. And this is probably the most well-known prayer throughout all of Christianity, and there's so much that we can learn from examining this prayer. So that's what we're going to do here today on The Inner Life. We're going to look at how we can pray the Our Father with a better understanding of what we actually are praying, and then how we can live this prayer out in our lives every single day. And joining us to help us understand the Our Father, helping us to put this into practice as we do pray it each day. Father Marcel Tyone, one of our regular spiritual directors, he's a priest in the Diocese of Providence, Rhode Island, pastor of St. Thomas More Catholic Church there in Providence. Father Tyone, I'm so glad to have you back here on the program. So are you a person who ends up following the directions when you're putting together a piece of furniture or something, or do you throw the the directions aside? Actually, I do something else. I ask someone to do it that has that <laughs> skill set, and I pray for them that it's successful and quick. I'm not kidding. <laughs> so, honestly, I, you know, one of those kind of, I'm not that kind of person that has that skill set sometimes, depending how complex it is, but it's all I could think of listening to you was uh, sometimes finding the right person to do it is also a gift and supporting them and, uh, helping them out. So I'm usually the assistant when that happens. I that's, wouldn't be the main person, you know yeah, I think? Reaching out and asking for help about anything, prayer, putting a bunk bed together is always a good thing. Yeah, you know? no shame in asking for help. That's exactly right. So, well, uh, today as we look at the Our Father, um, this is also commonly called the Lord's Prayer, and we encounter the version that we typically use, the, the words that we pray typically in the sixth chapter of St. Matthew's Gospel, where Jesus, he's kind of in the middle of his Sermon on the Mount, but right before we hear those words of the Our Father, he ends up giving us some preliminary instructions. So it might be good to start there and look at what Jesus says right before that so that we understand some of his guidance there. And he, he says, first of all, that when we're praying, we should go to an inner room. We shouldn't make kind of a show or a spectacle of ourselves when we're praying. Go to our inner room and pray in private. He also then says we're not to babble like the pagans who think they'll be heard because of their many words, and sometimes this will be referred to as vain repetition in our prayer. And then Jesus says that God the Father knows what we need before we ask. These are the three different rules that Jesus gives us. So maybe we can take them uh, one at a time and look at what these mean for us before we begin to pray the Our Father. So praying in private, how should we understand that? Because there are plenty of times that we pray as groups, pray in a community. yeah, I think we have to be careful with that. Um, Jesus doesn't mean we always hide ourselves physically when we're praying, but, of course, 
the private means is your heart in the prayer, not just your mouth and the words. So our inner room is in our hearts, in our soul. Um, and I think, you know, we all know sometimes you're praying and your mind wanders away and your words are there, but, but your heart and your intellect are kind of distracted. So I think the Lord's asking us to make sure we go in private. So sometimes we have to pray in public to witness for him or to do things like that. So Jesus is not saying we hide ourselves physically every time we pray any prayer, not just the Lord's Prayer, but that we make sure it's authentic, that it's from our inner self, our inner room, which is that place, the soul of souls, the heart of hearts, um, that we pray sincerely and in relationship with him and not just the verbal words. So that that's certainly a coaching. So sure, we shouldn't be showing off that we're praying. We shouldn't be sort of... Um, flashy prayers or making sure people see us pray but sometimes certainly as witnesses of jesus we have to pray publicly whether it's maybe you know for a life issue or praying in public at receptions or other people inviting people to pray with us those are very positive things the lord would be pleased with but as long as the motivation is to pray for others and not to kind of have pride or ego at the root right. of any of our prayers so it's it's really i think it's more about the heart you know not the heart of hearts um just that we pray just fundamentally in relationship with him and not not just outwardly per se and certainly not to be seen, you know, things like that. Sure. Yeah, well, and, you know, as you said, there are times where it's appropriate, and even when Jesus tells us where two or three or more of you are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of you. So uh, it's not a prohibition on being able to gather together and pray in a group or as a community or, you know, like you say, Father, in, in certain ways where we are called to be that public witness to our faith. Um, well, so then, not babbling as the pagans or the vain repetition. You know, that's one thing that a lot of non-Catholics will say, well, when you're praying the rosary, you just pray the same prayer over and over and over, the, the Hail Mary, and, you know, you bookend it with the Our Father and the Glory Be. Uh, what is Jesus really saying here when he talks about not praying in that, those vain repetitions or in the babbling as the pagans do? Well, I think, first of all, it's the same thing. He's calling us to relationship with the Father and Himself and the Holy Spirit. And again, it's it's not how many words we say, it's that authenticity of our prayer. So certainly, saying the Our Father more than once is never a bad thing. I'm saying the Hail Mary more than once is never a bad thing. I know people that pray, quote-unquote, the entire rosary, all 15 or 20 mysteries of the rosary, and their, their thoughts and their prayers are kind of like a mantra. Others are much more... You know, specific in their reflections on the actual words of the Hail Mary, where they come from, the inspiration for that, and the Lord's Prayer. So, yeah, again, it's a caution. I think the Lord's cautioning us not to just go on and on at how many prayers we say. doesn't necessarily make us holier. It actually could do the opposite if we're right. not in that authentic receiving and giving from the Lord. And it's about prayer, prayers entering into relationship with Jesus, and, and we need to remember that and, and try to... That's why shows like this, instead of thinking about the theology or the you know, the words, the, what they mean, the context in which they were shared by Jesus. These are the things that can help us pray more authentically and keep us from babbling. Like, so kind of, I think that's that's what we're doing here today. We're all trying to figure out how can we be more authentic when we pray the Lord's Prayer and other prayers. So, so he's warning us. So Jesus gives kind of some flags. Be careful, you know, don't, you know, don't, don't pray for show. Don't get stuck on how many words you're saying. And don't try to impress me. I want your humble heart when you're praying. You know, not mm-hmm. how many prayers, but if you say one, our Father, absolutely humble, that's better than ten not humble. You know, and you, the thing is, we can't see each other's heart when we're praying. We can never judge anyone because we really can't see who's really authentically praying. Um, we can't see that. So we, But we can see our own self, and that's where the Lord invites us into depth and intimacy with him. 
Mm, that's a beautiful reflection there on that, Father. Uh, so then finally we come to right before teaching us how to pray, Jesus says that God knows what we need before we ask. But again, this is not saying that God knows what we need, so we, we shouldn't ask for anything. Quite the contrary, we're, we're called upon to ask God for what we need. Yeah, it's one of the great things I get asked probably the most as a priest and in ministry is, you know, how can, you know, if we have freedom, if we have free will, but God knows everything, how does that work? And I think prayer is the great answer to that. So God knows everything about your life, about my life. He knows everything that's a struggle, all the joys. He knows everything. But when we pray, we, number one, we enter into a relationship with the Trinity in our Trinitarian life. But also, we become changed by prayer. We become more Christian, more Christ-like. We know that Jesus even prayed on the cross, right? These different, Father, forgive them. Have you abandoned me? I love that on the cross, Jesus has many kinds of prayers um, that he's praying. And we should be the same, but God knows what we need. But in freedom, he doesn't make us pray. He invites us into prayer, which is to enter into relationship with him. So praying actually changes us, not God. And think about that. So every time we pray, we receive a grace, and we become more like Christ, who was always in prayer. His whole life was a communion with the Father from eternity, but also in this world. So we enter into that Trinitarian relationship of that self-giving love between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So we receive grace. We're changed. And yes, sometimes the Lord answers our prayers, and sometimes out of total love, He says, no, or not yet. But our sharing with him what we desire, what we think is best, but then trusting he's pouring out love for us. We, we can't place ourselves equal to him. But praying changes us. It helps us. It makes us more like Jesus. And we experience Trinitarian life. For, for Catholics, we, we're, the Trinity lives in us after baptism. We're, we're sons and daughters of God the Father. That's why we, the prayers call that. We're children of God. We've been adopted by baptism. So that changes our whole prayer life, our whole experience, our understanding And so, yeah, sure, God does know everything. He knows what we need before we ask. When we ask, it pleases him, so it gives him joy, and it changes us. So that's two really good reasons to pray right there and and to know it's not a waste of time. It's not banging a drum, trying to get attention from God or trying to, again, when we move on in this conversation, you know, the Lord's Prayer, we don't say, you know, God, my will be done, my kingdom come. (laughs) We change thy to my. So I, I would challenge anyone listening today, you know, what? when we pray, change all the words in the Our Father and put my instead of thy. And then and then we got to check ourselves, make sure we're actually not praying the prayer that way. Like, in other words, I'm going to say this, Our Father, so my will be done. My kingdom as I see it, my kingdom meaning my world, my experience, my life. That God, you know, I'm going to say these prayers so that I can sort of have my way with you when I'm not looking. Um, or hopefully you're looking or looking the other way. But I, I always think a great experience in the Our Father is to actually change the thys to mys and then be shocked by that and say, oh my goodness, I'm actually praying that his will be done in my life and trusting he loves me. So if I'm in a suffering or a calamity or a desperate situation even, um, I can pray this prayer and say, your will be done, your will be done. Because ultimately on the cross, Jesus in obedience, in freedom, he knew the Father loved him. So that's why he could say, into your hands I commend my spirit, and knew he wasn't abandoned. So when we look at the cross, do we see abandonment or union, communion, and self-giving love? And if we see self-giving love, we're going to be able to pray the Our Father freely, confidently, and in, in the spirit of Christ. And if we don't, if we only see abandonment and suffering, we're going to see the Our Father, I think, sort of in, innocently and directly. We might be 
we might be asking God to do our will, and that would be a tragedy, a travesty for a lot of reasons. Um, also might lead to a great distance that's not necessary, that's not real, that God always is close to us. So the Lord's Prayer is a, a, a great gift He's given us to stay close to Him, but to enter into that Trinitarian love that is very much placed in us, that won't leave us. But Jesus taught us this prayer so that we can experience um, Him and the Father and also trust God the Father. So can we trust God that He's all good, all knowing, all loving, but that also that He's all loving? I think some people... I think some people struggle with that. Um, they, they, you know, because of suffering and difficulty in life, it's, I think it's a temptation that we all have is to not trust the goodness of God, that his love pours out on the cross. And that's why in times of more peacefulness, hopefully today you listen to this program, and it's not a calamity, it's not a desperate moment in your life, it's actually a time of peace and, you know, maybe a springtime literally. And then these are the times when you really need to study the Our Father, pray and think about these things. So when those challenges come, we're not thrown off, and, and the Our Father and other prayers become a place. The cross becomes a place we unite ourselves to the cross. We don't run from the cross. So Christ stayed on the cross. We stay, but we don't stay alone. We stay with him and with, with the Father pouring out Niagara Falls love on us, and that's that's the disposition of our minds and hearts to pray well. And I pray that this show today, every, every one of us gets a little bit better at that And by the end of the show, and, and then God will be honored, pleased, and glorified by that, and we'll be consoled. We won't be so alone or feel God so distant. We know he's not. We have to experience that when we pray. So we pray so we know we're not alone. The enemy wants us to think we're alone, that God doesn't care, that he knows everything, he's not responding. The Our Father just 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 takes that all apart, and that's why it's such a great prayer. It just tears that whole thing down that we're alone. It's not true. And, uh, and we know if God loves us, his will should be done, and that should give us joy. Maybe not happiness and, and always happiness, but a certain deep joy uh, that we see on the cross and in the times of life of Jesus that were so difficult. So uh, so we thank him for the prayer. It's a great gift. Right. Well, and uh, Father Tyone, as we start looking at the different parts that we're praying during the Our Father, it's also, I think, maybe important to point out, if somebody's listening, we have very limited time inside just this hour um, of of the inner life today as we're talking but the entire last section of the Catechism of the Catholic Church is dedicated to examining and explaining the Our Father. So if someone wants to go into far greater detail than we will be able to hear in this hour, it's a great place to turn for a more in-depth look at this model prayer that Jesus has given to us. Yeah, you bring up a great point. So the last part of the Catholic Catechism of the Catholic Church, I hope you have a copy in your house. If you don't, it's paperback. It's not expensive. My guess is you probably can get it online, but you're right. The whole fourth part of the Catechism is on prayer, and the Lord's Prayer gets the most attention. So we shouldn't miss that either. Why does the Catechism have an entire section, a pretty long section? Not that long. Don't be overwhelmed. You can read it and pray with it. Because the Lord's Prayer is so central to Christian life, I always think all the Twelve Apostles and Mary would have prayed the Our Father. It's the only prayer everyone's prayed since the beginning of the foundation of our faith. Mm -hmm. Um, So everybody's known that. We think Mary would have prayed that. Peter would have prayed that. Paul the Apostle would have taught that to his converts. Um, Anyone who was baptized would have learned the Our Father. So this is the prayer that goes back to the very beginning. Um, Even before Pentecost, it was taught to the followers of Jesus. So I think it's extraordinary when we pray that, that virtually every Christian knows just this prayer. Um, so that that's an extraordinary reality. And I, I always like picturing the Blessed Mother praying that prayer um, with John the Beloved, you know, after the right. resurrection. I'm sure they prayed it. I mean, think about that. That's extraordinary. And so you're right, the yeah. Catechism 
places a lot of emphasis on that because it's so gosh darn important for us to figure it out and enter into it. And I love they do footnotes and things. And so I hope I hope people take you up on your your pointing us to that and really spending some time. It's great summer reading. I'm not kidding. The the, the part on prayer in the catechism is probably the uh, kind of the I don't mean the easiest, but the softest read. It's really about the different kinds of prayer, but it is just an incredible warehouse of information that's rock solid on the Our Father. And I think, you know, we pray it at Mass right before we receive the Eucharist, and I think it would change Mass, too, if we read that part of the Catechism, change how we pray the Mass, how we pray the Rosary, um, just really, you know, really trying to mean the words and understand what they are. But I think that's a great coaching that, that we go to the Catechism. It's towards the back, and... Uh, I think it's a page in the 700s. Um, yeah, that sounds great. right. I, I looked at it earlier today, too, and, and I think it is. It's it's somewhere around, yeah, at least for my paperback version, somewhere in the 700s there, Father. Uh, well, that's a great <laughs> homework assignment, but we are going to look at the different parts of the Our Father, how we can pray those, how we can understand them, and how we can live them out, and what has helped you as you're listening? What's helped you to have that better understanding of what you're actually praying each time that you do pray the Our Father? And when did you actually start truly praying? Not just reciting those words maybe that you learned when you were a child, but actually praying with the meaning of those words. And how has that changed your life and helped you to grow closer to God? Our studio line, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. You can also email us at innerlife at relevantradio.com. And we'll have more on the Our Father coming up next here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio Studio Line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit RelevantRadio.com slash Forrester. If you're looking for a little help on your journey of faith, our priests are here for you. Call now. 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. Or email us, innerlife at relevantradio.com. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome back to The Inner Life. I'm Josh Raymond, along with our spiritual director, Father Marcel Tyone. He's a priest in the uh, Diocese of Providence, Rhode Island, and today we're talking about the prayer that Jesus taught us, the Our Father, and how have you been able to live out that prayer in your own life? What has been the part of that prayer that has helped you to grow closer to Christ? Our studio line here, 888-914-9149, And Father Tyone, before the break as we were talking and kind of getting our our sights set before we jumped into the words that we prayed in the Our Father, you had specifically said that um, in the Our Father, we are experiencing where um, we have the ability to interact with the Trinitarian God and calling or addressing God, more specifically the first person of the Trinity, as Father. This is something that really wasn't done prior to Jesus introducing this in his public ministry, you know, there on the Sermon on the Mount or, you know, when his disciples asked him, how should we pray? And he teaches them. And so even though we're used to this concept today of God as our Father, back when Jesus originally would have said this, it would have been a completely new concept for those listening to his teaching. And that our part of our Father, that for me, it really personalizes us. It speaks to the relationship that God calls each of us to have with him. 
the great it's the great distinction of Christianity from all other faiths, especially monolithic religions, right? So Jesus comes, he's the fulfillment of the Old Testament, and then he teaches this prayer, and if, if people are familiar, of course, like, I mean, a lot of Jesus' teachings and sermons, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Be perfect like a heavenly Father is perfect. His whole life is drawing people into relationship with the Father. Um, and I, even the Catholic Mass, the whole Mass is addressed to the Father, Um in the person of Christ. So I think a lot of Catholics don't realize that. You know, when when the priest says, Almighty God, Eternal Father, we ask this through Christ our Lord. So the whole Mass is the offering of Jesus' body and blood to the Father. So, you know, again, I think I think sometimes because we, we speak to Jesus, we pray uh, to Him and speak with Him, that we forget, I think we can not be blown away, but drawn into the Trinitarian life that is ours in this prayer. Um, and it's wonderful. So we call Exactly, God is our dad, and it, every time we say the Our Father, we think of those even those two words. We should recall our baptism. We're supposed to recall that when we make the sign of the cross with the holy water. I'm baptized, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But the Lord's Prayer, the very two words indicate I'm an adopted son and daughter of God the Father. Christ is my Lord, my brother. The Holy Spirit is in me. I'm the love between the Father and the Son. And the fact that it's it's interesting, right? Again, it's not it's thy kingdom come there. It's not my father. Right away, the first word that there's brothers and sisters that are also adopted. So even the first word of the our father is not my father. He is your father. He's my father. But it's I think it's a great distinction for the for the church that our father, that everyone else who's adopted in Christ and the Trinity is also in God's family. They're my supernatural brothers and sisters. And I think that's a profound distinction. Again, you mentioned before that only Christians, only we call God Father until Christ was revealed and revealed the Trinity. Um, it's, it's still earth-shattering supernatural closeness of God and a reality that even other faiths with great respect to them, they, they couldn't imagine praying the way we pray. The, the intimacy would be sort of just uncomfortable, not even possible. So just a whole different, they're close to God, but not the Trinity is the distinctive gift that we have and it affects our prayer lives and it's revealed in the Lord's Prayer and how blessed we are for that. So our Father means I'm baptized, He's my Father, Christ is in me, but also I'm adopted, but also I have brothers and sisters. I can't only be worried only about myself when I pray. There's there's a communal going out of self with that first word. So again, it could be, my Father who art in heaven, my will be done, my will. We can keep going to that ego, and yet the Lord teaches us otherwise, that dying to self and being about others, that every time we pray the Lord's Prayer, we're already calling to mind other people. So it's not just my God, but it's our God, our Father. And I love that. I think I think that's a great distinction that we should, again, be drawn to be fascinated by. We should be fascinated by the Lord's Prayer. And we're fascinated by Jesus and fascinated by the prayer. We've become fascinated with the Father's love and his plan to save us. And that changes prayer life, changes everything, actually, but it also deeply affects how we pray. Mm. Well, and then we come to the point where we are acknowledging the holiness, the sacredness of God, where we say, hallowed be thy name. And you had mentioned in the prior segment here that it might be a good exercise for all of us to say, you know, put in the my in place of thy at the different points that we come to in the Our Father. See if that really is reflective of our heart attitude as we're praying. And the first thing I thought of was that very first one, hallowed be my name. Oh my goodness, am I guilty of being more worried about 
how people look at me and my name not being sullied or dragged through the mud or, you know, uh, that, that, that people have a good reputation or I have a good reputation with other people. Um, hallowed be thy name. Am I more, more worried about God's name and God's place in my life rather than where I stand in regards to other people and how they view me? So that, <laughs> that was the first oh, one yeah. I came to, no, Father. And it's a great thing, right? Prayer is to, you know, Christ has conquered the ego in baptism, right? So we all have that. We all have that kind of self-concern, the inward turn towards self. So you hit right on it. I think think that's why Jesus taught us the prayer, to really, you know, imagine if uh, holy is the name. Holy are you, God. You're so holy. Your name is holy. So we enter into that in the second phrase of the prayer, the second part. And, And what does that mean? That means you're right. We'd be more worried about the name of Jesus, the Heavenly Father being honored. And at times, if we lovingly and humbly you know, speak the truth and do that lovingly without any judgment, we may our, our name may be sullied among other brothers and sisters, other people. Um, to honor the name of God, we may be dismissed, we may be ridiculed. Um, and that's, you take, bring up the point, is my name more important than God's name to be honored even among the people in which I live? Um, you know, and that's, that's a great question, I think. And we have to, the, our Father, if we study it, makes us think about that. You know, holy is your name. You're holy. You're all holy, God. I'm not all holy, but I want to be holier. Um, so make me holy. But, but I, I think, you know, hallowed is your name. You're, you're all holy. And, uh, and his name is holy. And that, you know, obviously it leads to simple things like not taking the Lord's name in vain. But even other things, honoring the name of God honoring him above our name, our reputation, making sure the reputation of Jesus and the church is, if you will, exposed in a positive light by our daily decisions every day, on our speech, on you know, how our priorities, what we choose to prioritize in any given week or day, who we call, which you know, who we're reaching out to in charity, all of this flows from God's name being hallowed, being holy, holiness himself. And so that's why even the the prayer could we could do a Ten-day retreat on the Our Father never get past the fourth word. I think as as we're talking about right now, it's powerful. It's very very powerful realities that are revealed by it. Right. Well, and so again, just because we're limited on time, we want to do move along, so we have an opportunity to look at every aspect of the prayer. And so, moving forward, we now come to the petitions of the prayer. And this first one, Thy Kingdom Come. This is the one that. For me, it strikes me as most frightening of the different petitions that we ask for coming up through the prayer, because when I say thy kingdom come, do I really mean those words? You know, either I am or I am not a part of God's kingdom. Either I am or I am not a citizen of the kingdom, and I need to make sure that I'm in a right relationship with God. If I really want to pray for God's kingdom to come, I need to be in a state of grace if God's kingdom is really to come about here and now, so the, you know, I better go to confession. I need to receive Jesus in the Eucharist often. I need to live the life that God's calling me to live, to know, to love, to serve him, to avoid sin and share his love with those around me and everything I do and every action, every word that I speak. But <clears throat> if I'm living this way, the other part of this that comes to my mind is then not only am I asking for God's kingdom to come, but if all of us are saying, yes, I want to ensure that I am a citizen of God's kingdom so that when it comes, I am recognized as part of his family, a son or a daughter, a citizen of the kingdom. If I'm living that way, I'm also an active part of living and bringing that kingdom into the world right here and right now. 
And I, and you're right. And I think it goes right back to the beginning we talked about at the top of the hour, right? So, thy, your kingdom come, God, in my life. Your kingdom be revealed as you wish. Your desires more than my own. And uh, and there's a, again a great freedom in that. If we really mean that, you pray the Our Father for real. Wow, you know it's it's free agency. It's dependence upon the goodness of God and trusting in that. And I think, uh, yeah, and we need to really believe that God's kingdom is more important than our kingdom, that our, our small kingdoms, you know, as worthy as they are and valuable and real and good, uh, the kingdom of God is more important. The church, like the growth of the church and, and the strength of the holiness of her members uh, and my own holiness, trying to do my best to confess, repent, to eat the Eucharist, as you mentioned, to do all these things and and be fed to become more like Jesus. So if Jesus is the kingdom of God the Father comes, if I become more like Jesus every day, um, that's when the kingdom of God comes. We pray for that uh, in the Lord's Prayer. Mm-hmm. Well, and then the next one, a lot of times for me, if I'm not really being deliberate and taking time, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. I, I mean, it, it's almost a nice English rhyme to it anyway. And so they can just kind of roll off the tongue, but thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Again, if I think very deliberately about this, it, it, for me it speaks to allowing God's, not, God's will not to simply be done on earth in a general sense, but to very specifically allow God's will to be done in my life, as you were saying, Father, you know, that if we're in that mindset to, to allow God's will to be done in each of our lives individually— you know, if we're not just praying, well, you know, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven for everybody else, but <laughs> I'm okay over here, God. Um, if we actually mean what we pray, the impact on the world of each of us saying, thy will be done in my life here as your will is absolutely, without question, done in heaven, the results would be astounding. Uh, absolutely. We have things would change. We'd also, we'd also find that gift of joy that we talked about before. Um, yeah, it's it's important, and I, I think, yeah, the, you know, remember one thing, Jesus always did the will of the Father, so there was never a millisecond in the life of Jesus on earth that he didn't do the will of the Father, and that includes at Gethsemane, on Calvary, that was the will of the Father, thy kingdom come, um, and I just think that's powerful, like Jesus has never not done the will of the Father, um, so we need to really study Christ see what Jesus did, what did he not do, um, and then our life changes. Um, we need to really enter into that trust and confidence that he had with the Father, and this prayer invites us to do that, and it, is, it sounds like a rhyme, it sounds like, you know, a Julie Andrews song, whatever that, whatever that rhyme was at the beginning, you started with that song from back in the old days, but, but we know our Father is, it goes together, but I, I love that, uh, that we, we ask God that his will be done, but again, we have to know that Jesus did the will of God the Father every moment of his life, or we might miss the petition, what we're really asking for. And that's obedience to the will of God. It's not going to crush us or imprison us. It'll free us and know the pouring out of God's love on the cross made present at Mass and the Eucharist and in times of suffering. Suffering's been redeemed. So clearly Jesus reveals that. So Adam and Eve, what was their problem? They would have never prayed the Our Father. They they changed, right? So what happened? Everything was great in the Garden of Eden, and Genesis, you know, the, the Our Father really makes right what went wrong in the Garden, that they, they were convinced by the evil one that they could be happy without God, and their will, they could decide what's good and evil, and they'd be actually happy and more free without God. That's the problem. That's the fall. So they would never have meant praying the Our Father after the fall. 
and Jesus comes and Mary, the obedient one, the new Adam and the new Eve, and the new Adam gives us this prayer, which is the anti-Adam and Eve possible prayer after the fall, um, and now redeemed, they're too redeemed by Christ. But, but I think that's an important thing to think about. What would Adam and Eve after the fall have prayed? They hid from God, mm. they're, they're pointing fingers at each other, um, they're ashamed, and they need mercy now, and that's where Christ comes to redeem them. But I think even meditating on Adam and Eve's prayer life after the fall versus us praying to our Father isn't a bad thing to think about. What, what's the big difference? And Jesus did the will of the Father every minute, so we, we want to enter into that prayer meaning that. And, uh, and we have to know Jesus always did the will of the Father to understand the prayer and why he would teach us that. He's, that's his point, I think, one of the one of the inspirations, impetus of that prayer is to help us live in that by his grace and by the grace of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, and as you're talking about Adam and Eve, you know, if they wouldn't have chosen to sin, you know, it makes me wonder, would Adam, would Adam have been given that opportunity then, having walked with God in the garden, knowing God face-to-face essentially there, would he have been the one to introduce the rest of humanity, not not as, you know, in in the same way that Jesus does, but, you know, Jesus is that new Adam. He introduces us to the Father. Would Adam have been able to be that person to introduce all of humanity then successively as new humans are born here on earth that, let me introduce you to my Father, you know, this one who created me, gave me this beautiful place here in the garden, and, uh, you know, let me show you how wonderful he is. And so we have to wait for the new Adam to do that for us. Yeah, because, again, God has not been fully revealed, right? So Adam and Eve were made, and the Jewish people, our elders, were chosen to be the one people. But all the Old Testament points to Christ, and that's why, again, the Our Father is so important, because it's the it's the pinnacle prayer of the fulfillment of the Old Testament. And uh, it's an extraordinary reality. So it's Adam and Eve, the fall, the Jewish people chosen, and Christ comes to redeem, and he teaches us and leaves us this prayer so that we can pray from being redeemed and uh, and entering into Trinitarian love, and it's um, just beautiful. I mean, it's such an amazing thing that God allows us to do that, and He's so close to us and so intimate with us. And and I think the whole, all of the Gospels share that. But look, Jesus just didn't go off and pray. He's always talking about the Father. You know, you see mm-hmm. Him, you see me. You see, me. I just I just think it all goes together. We can't always remove the Our Father innocently from from the context of the revelation of who God is, self-revealing love, self-giving self-revelation. And really, the Our Father is the, it's the, it's the pinnacle experiential entering into that ultimate redeemed relationship that we've been offered, which is amazing. God would God would redeem us after all messing up. And same with us. He won't give up. He's all in. He won't, he won't leave us. He won't give up on us. And the Our Father reminds us and asks us, not just remind us, but actually enter into that love that we all desire, actually, we need it. We need it in our lives. We need it every day. Mm. Our spiritual director today, Father Marcel Tayon, a priest in the Diocese of Providence, Rhode Island, and we're looking at the model prayer that Jesus taught us, taught his followers, the Our Father. How have you been able to live out the Our Father in your life? What has helped you? When, when, when did you start truly praying the prayer? Not just reciting it, maybe if you learned it as a child, but actually 
looking at those words, understanding the meaning, and how has that changed your life and helped you to grow closer to God? We're going to continue looking at the different parts of the Our Father in just a moment, but of course you can call our studio line, 888-914-9149. Maybe you've got a question about a part of the Our Father, something that is a little uh, difficult for you to understand, something you're not sure what we mean when we pray it. Again, our studio line open for your phone call, 888-914-9149, and we'll continue examining the Our Father here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app in just a moment. If you missed part of the program, you can listen to this show and any of your favorites on the Relevant Radio app or online at RelevantRadio.com. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome back to The Inner Life. Hi, I'm Josh Raymond, and our spiritual director today, Father Marcel Tyone, a priest in the Diocese of Providence, Rhode Island, pastor at St. Thomas More Catholic Church there in Providence. And today we're looking at the Our Father, and what has helped you have a better understanding of the words in the Our Father? How have you lived out those words, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven? How have you lived those out in your life? We're trying to have a better understanding of this prayer so we can have that deeper understanding, have that better opportunity to live those words each day and grow closer to Christ. And again, our studio line, if you have any questions about the Our Father or you've had that experience where you say, no, this really, really opened up my eyes, opened up my heart, and I've been able to live this out. We'd love to hear how God has worked in your life through this this foundational prayer for our faith. 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. And uh, Father, following up on, as we were talking about Thy Will Be Done, we've got Terry who's calling in from Ocean Side, California. Hi, Terry. You're on the air with Father Tyone this morning. Hi, good morning. Uh, this is such a great uh, topic to be talking about because it's one of the most important prayers that we pray as, I think, Christians. And I have to say, you know, when I say the Our Father at Mass time, when we're saying it in Mass, and it comes to the point of Thy will be done, I bow. And I didn't grow up that way. No one taught me to do this. It's just something that I've started to do. And the only thing I can think of, Father, is that my guardian angel is beside me praying. And I feel like we're both in front of God. I'm sorry. And I feel when I bow, I'm bowing to his will and not my will. And to well, me, I don't know why. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. No, that is just a, a wonderful suggestion and thought, even if people do that interiorly, but I've never heard anyone. I mean, I will often, uh, you might know, at least here on the East Coast, a lot of people bow when they hear the name of Jesus during liturgy. So people from the old days used to bow when the name of Jesus Christ is mentioned during Mass. So in my parish, probably 30% of my people still do that. Even younger people, they'll bow when they when they hear Jesus' name, and it's kind of a devotion. But I've never heard someone bow at thy will be done. And, and it is, I think it's the... I think those two thighs are probably like where the rubber hits the road, the hardest part to pray to mean it, but it makes the biggest difference in a sense as we talked on the show. But I love your your devotion to that. What a beautiful uh, experience and suggestion. <laughs> it's just a wonderful, I think that's the Holy Spirit uh, invited you to do that and uh, bowing your will, literally using your body to show your own, again, giving the assent of our will and our intellect to God. 
um, and right before receiving Holy Eucharist. So, so great for sharing that. That that's very helpful and insightful. Yeah, Terry, I'm so glad you just gave us that that example there in your own life. It's always so good to hear, Father, from listeners as there. You know, those little things can make such a big difference. And even if you just incorporate one of those aspects into your faith, it can really. You know, the little things are important in our faith. If we walk into a church, when we genuflect. You know, if we walk in front of the altar where the consecration happens just to make that bow, those little things, they show that this is real. And, you know, it'd be the same thing for uh, me if if I open the door for my wife getting into a car, if I pull a chair out for her when we go out to dinner at a, a restaurant, you know, things like that. It's yep, small, yep. but it, it really it really reinforces that this is a special thing and we treat it with that reverence, that regard. Like I love that she's she's fascinated with those thy thy will be done she bows and I think you know maybe a good exercise for all of us a good little retreat moment uh, during the day today or whenever but you know what line of the we've been going over the Our Father what line in the Our Father is the most attractive to you and what line in the Our Father is kind of like a challenge you know and my guess is not I think it's wonderful she does that I think she's attracted to thy kingdom thy will be done. And recognizing the battle that we all have, my will versus God's will. Do I know better? Does he know better? But I think uh, the Our Father, to kind of wake up the prayer for us, could be like what, and you could have a discussion with your family, with your children, with a spiritual friend. You know, what in the Our Father are you attracted to? And what what is a really, what phrase in there might be a little challenging to pray? And I think that's a great way to kind of unpack it a little more and, and to enter into it better. So hopefully maybe... Maybe that's one of the fruits of that phone call today, too. Yeah, well, and again, I want to point out, if you've just joined us uh, as we're talking about the Our Father, if you want to learn more, you can definitely go to the last section in the Catechism of the Catholic Church. We mentioned that earlier, but again, I want to mention that again. If if you are saying, oh, I wish I could learn more about this part of the prayer, that's a great place to start. So please open up your catechism. If you don't have one, it's not expensive to find it. Uh, you know, you can order it online or go to your local Catholic bookstore and pick it up. But, uh, Father, as we continue through, we, we're down to just a few minutes here, but I wanted to at least look at some of the last parts of what we ask for in the Our Father. Give us this day our daily bread. Here, we're kind of talking about our physical needs, but not everything uh, you know, that we need coming up in the next 20 years. We're just talking about what we need today. And this is very reminiscent for me of the Israelites as they're wandering in the wilderness and God is providing the daily manna, and he only gave them what they needed for that day, or they'd pick up a little bit more for the Sabbath when they weren't supposed to labor, weren't supposed to go out and do that work. And this, you know, it, asking for what we need just day in and day out, not asking for what we need for the next 20 or 30 years. It's probably good for many reasons, you know, helping us avoid greed, but also to trust in God for all of our needs, to show that God is good and he will care for us. Um, you know, that's, uh, these are some important things that we're, that we're incorporating into our prayer here. And I think, too, right, it says daily bread. So, of course, there's food, but there's also love. So all of our hearts and souls, we all need love in our lives, certainly from God and from other people. So we want our we want our hearts to be fed by Jesus by the Holy Spirit, but I think it's okay to say I want my daily bread in being able to love others, to be loved, to be forgiven, and forgiven lead to the next thing. But I think you know our daily bread is what I really need from today, and that very phrase indicates I want to depend on you at each moment of my life, and not be too anxious. A lot of people have anxiety today. The Our Father is a calming prayer. 
Give me my daily bread. Don't let me be anxious about tomorrow, my bread next Saturday, my relationships next Sunday, my health next week. Give me my daily bread today, Lord, to live and trust in your providential care for me. And that's what that means. So the, the, I think the Our Father is a very calming prayer around this part of it. Um, and also, of course, as Catholics, we believe the Eucharist is God. So I'm going to say that again. We believe the Eucharist is God. So... You know, we want we want to be able to have access to the Eucharist. I mentioned this weekend, you know, we, we need priests to have the Eucharist. So you pray that you don't live in a place in the world where there's the poverty of a lack of vocation, so there's a lack of daily bread, of daily Eucharist. Jesus also, of course, in some level would say, you know, I want to give you my body and blood every day. At least have a tabernacle you can visit and a place you can adore me and I can be with you and heal you and help you. And so those those two little words mean a lot. And I think we can we can be pretty forceful in making it mean everything. Relationships, love, give my daily bread in my faith life, my daily bread in my family, my daily bread in my relationships, my physical health, my emotional health. God, give me my daily bread, but, but don't let me be greedy. Don't let me ask for more than I need, um, which is, you brought up that point. It's an invitation to charity and to trust and not to greed and kind of mongering on more than what we really need. And it's certainly not being really possessed by our possessions. I think that's another thing. We think of how many people in the world are poor or homeless and maybe don't have faith or friends or technology to listen to relevant radio. People are people around the world that don't have all that we have. Right, right. We need to we need to say thank you for the daily bread as well. Yeah. Father uh, Tyone, we've got Monica who's listening out in Huntington Beach, California. Hi Monica. We're down to just about our last minute or so here, but wanted to try and get you on the program for your question. You're on the air with Father Tyone. Hi, Father. I just wanted to thank you so much for um, uh, this topic. My son came home from college, uh, a JP Catholic, and he said that I shouldn't pray this unless I'm in good graces with God. And he said that about the Our Father to our, you know, our family when he came home from taking finals on Friday. And I, I was a little bit, um, uh, I, I wasn't sure how to take that. But I, with your explanation, I, I understand what he meant by that. And I'm so grateful for you to cover this topic today. It's so timely. Thank you so much. Well, God bless you, Monica. I'm pray for you and your son. And if any family that's talking about the Our Father at home, if, if my kid came home from college and I talk about the Our Father, I'd give him a hug. I'd be like, so beautiful. Your son is kind of into everything and thinking about it. And you can share that with him and calling him with us today. So I'm going to challenge you today. I'm going to give you the Our Father challenge. So I pray in Our Father for each person in your family and a couple of needy people today after this program, that we go out from this program, not just for ourselves, we, we go out in spiritual charity and pray for maybe a listener like Monica. Or there's so many people, we're all, we're all together in the mystical body of Christ. So let's send an Our Father out to the listeners here that needs the prayer the most. And that's a great way to celebrate what we're talking about today, I would say. Uh, Father Tyone, we are just about down to the end of the program here. We've only gotten a little more than halfway through the Our Father. So if you don't mind, I'm going to invite you back at some point in the near future where we can uh, go through the Our Father again and maybe spend a little more time on some of these different things. Tom, Michael, and uh, the rest of the callers, I'm so sorry we didn't get to you. But Father, in the last about 30 seconds here, could I ask you to give a blessing to all of our listeners today? I will, and just the end of the Our Father, the enemies really doesn't want us to pray or believe in God's love, and, and Jesus wants to free us from that. So, Heavenly Father, good and loving, gracious God, thank you for this program. Thank you for the Our Father. Thank you for the callers, but also the listeners that you see listening to this program we cannot see. Bless all of us. We might pray the Our Father better, trust in you, and be made holy, ready for heaven, but experience the kingdom now. We ask this, and God bless you, the Father. Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, hopefully, if you've been listening here to Father Marcel Tyone, 
you'll go out and you'll say that prayer, the Our Father, with kind of a deeper understanding, a deeper meaning. Of course, want to enjoy, uh, uh, invite you to stay tuned. We've got Mass coming up next here from the Cathedral of St. Paul on Relevant Radio. We'll talk with you tomorrow here on The Inner Life.